today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. We need to be praying. We need to be alert because we, a beginning of a battle at any moment, we don't know. We don't know the trials that are going to hit us unless you can look into the future. But we don't know the trials that are happening. Did you guys know that there is a spiritual battle that's taking place every single day, every moment of the day? Even right now as we're worshiping and praising the name of Jesus, there is a battle going on in the heavens. We need to be watchful. We need to be praying. Samson was a very strong man physically, but not spiritually. Pastor Eric will be teaching that in the battle against sin, Samson kept losing. Jesus tells us to watch and pray so that we're ready for the battles to come. Samson instead leaned upon his fleshly desires and took advantage of the grace of God. Well, let's join Pastor Eric in the book of Judges for today's study. If you have your Bibles, open up to Judges chapter 16 as we are continuing our study through the book of Judges and through Samson's life. To dive right into it, last week we learned that Samson was a, a bit of a rebellious kind of guy, wasn't he? He was a little bit rebellious. He did whatever he wanted, amen. He told his parents what to do. He took honey out of a dead animal that he wasn't supposed to. Then last week we saw his might that the Lord had fallen upon him by killing a thousand Philistines with a... Do you guys remember what he killed him with? An old or a fresh one? Fresh. Why the fresh bone instead of the old bone? They're not brittle. Amen. All right. That pumps me up, man. You guys were listening. Woo, woo. <laughs> and so we learned that he was still used, though, by God, that God's will was still being carried out. And what was God's will during this lifetime of Samson? To deliver the Israelites out of the hand of the Who? the Philistines, right? Well, that continues tonight, and tonight we are going to look at chapter 16, not the whole chapter, because it's too good to rush through. I want to go through it and just savor Judges 16, because it is a blessing. And so we're going to be in Judges chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, and I titled the message tonight, The Gates Will Not Prevail. The Gates Will Not Prevail. Man, What a killer title, praise God, because it is awesome. And, you know, God is good. All right, verses 1 through 3 of chapter 16. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. Verse 2, when the Gazites were told, Samson has come here. They surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it's daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Wow! Can you imagine this scene? Okay, we just left Samson, like I said a few moments ago. He just killed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone, a fresh jawbone at that. 
Okay, now it says that he has now journeyed down to where? Gaza. What is Gaza? Where is Gaza? What is this Gaza? Well, Gaza is a Philistine city. It was located about 40 miles from Samson's hometown, which was what? Zora, if you guys remember. Now, Gaza was a very important city as it was by the Mediterranean Sea. And so it was a port city, right, where ships would come in and they would do trading there. It was very important, a seaport town. And with a seaport town, with ships coming in, what are you going to have with a seaport town? Sailors. Okay, sailors. And this is a prime area for prostitution. This is a prime area for prostitution because you have travelers coming in and through the city. And so here we see that our friend Samson went down to Gaza and there he saw a harlot. Man, this guy is unbelievable. But I think so can we be unbelievable sometimes too. But anyways, why was Samson in Gaza? We don't know. The only thing that the Bible tells us is that he was there and he saw a harlot and he did something that wasn't called for. Okay? That wasn't right. It says that, and he went into her. So here we see Samson being rebellious still from the ways of the Lord. Because remember, Samson had a great vow upon his name. Do you guys remember that? The Nazarite vow, right? The Nazarite vow. He was dedicated unto the Lord. Or should he have been dedicated to the Lord? But as we've been learning these past few weeks, man, he was a rebellious guy. Now, I've come to the conclusion, and maybe you guys can come to this conclusion, but based on my reading, I've come to the conclusion that Samson is only attracted to Philistine women. Not to Jewish women, because every single of the women that we've read and that we're going to read are Philistines. I don't know what was going on with the Jewish girls, but it was not his preference. His preference was a Philistine woman. Now we know that he is there. We know why he is there from what the Bible tells us. Then we are told that the Gazites, the people who occupy the city of Gaza, heard that Samson was there in their city. Well, in the prostitution house, there's a lot of people going in and through this place. Okay, so word is going to get out. Remember Rahab in Joshua in Jericho? The king himself came to her house looking for the two spies. Why would he go there? Probably because there's somewhat knowledge of what's going on within the city. And so here, the word has been spread. Samson has come here. Now, why do you think there's an exclamation point there? Well, probably because there's an excitement behind it saying, hey, the dude that just killed a thousand of our brotherhood is here in this city. A thousand of them. And do you know how he killed them? Oh, yeah, I heard it was by a fresh donkey jawbone. Did he have help? No, he didn't have any help. It was by himself. Man, he's here? Yes, he's here. Oh, man. Well, we better then come together and lie around the city and make sure to shut the city gate, you know, the doors to the city. And we're going to lie and wait and wait for him in the morning because then we're going to kill him. Yeah, great plan. All right. Right? And so you get this idea of this is a great plan that the Gazites were coming together with. You know, we wait for him, we'll block all the entrance to the city, and he won't be able to get out. We can take him out. 
Okay, well, we see what happens. In verse 3, it says, And Samson lay low until midnight. Then he arose at midnight. Well, midnight's a great time to leave town. Why? What are you doing at midnight? Sleeping. Well, most of us. Depends if you're working graveyard or you just stay up late. But most people sleep at midnight. What a brilliant idea to leave the city. Now, he was a smart guy. I truly believe that Samson was a natural warrior. And he needed to know how to leave. I mean, to know that a whole city is against you, how would you know that? Well, I truly believe it was a God thing, man. It was like that gut feeling maybe inside of him. Have you guys ever felt the stirring of the Holy Spirit inside of you where it's like bubbling, man, and you're like, I know I need to do this or I have to do this because God is just really urging me to do that. Man, that is the Spirit directing you and leading you. Growing up, I always would say to my mom, it was my gut feeling. But it was the Holy Spirit leading me and guiding me in the ways of truth and to the ways that I should live. And God, through listening to His Spirit, has really put His hand of protection around me. And I am sure that the same maybe go for you as well. But Samson had the Spirit of the Lord upon him, because we've read it time and time again here, where the Spirit has come upon him at certain times. And so it doesn't tell us exactly what happened and how Samson knew, but I've got to believe that God stirred in his heart. So then, as we continued, that he wakes up in the middle of the night. Now, again, picturing it, everybody's sleeping. The prostitute that he's with is probably sleeping. The guys who are arming the gate and surrounding the area, they're probably sleeping. So he gets up and he cruises outside, right? But then he comes to the gate where he's going to walk out, and the thing is shut because they don't want him going out, do they? So what does he do? Gets in between this gate, pulls up the doors and the the posts that are in the ground, and puts it on his shoulders, and he takes off for this hill. Is that normal? Yeah? I mean, there's a lot of strong guys in here, you know? But I don't know if any of you guys are picking up uh, gate posts of a city and putting them on your shoulders and hiking it up a mountain or a hill, it says. You know, and so it's like, man, he removes these gate posts, he removes them from the place, and he goes on his shoulder and he gets out of town. My question is, is how did he not wake up the guards? I mean, that had to make some noise. A God thing. A God thing, Okay. Now, we know that Samson is strong. Would you agree that Samson is strong? Okay. He was strong physically, but he was weak. He was strong physically, but Samson was weak. Because, I mean, he was strong physically because at this point, nothing could defeat him, right? I mean, even the new ropes that the Jews put around his arms when they took him under arrest to present him to the Philistines, they broke like they were burned, Nothing can hold this guy back. 30 men, the garments, that he took the garments for his stupid riddle that he came up with that he had to pay out because his nagging wife drove him to craziness and so he gave in. But even those 30 men couldn't keep him. Then a thousand men came after him. They couldn't hold him. This guy was strong, man. But Samson was weak spiritually. Why do I say that? Because he kept falling into sin. He kept falling into sin. And I want to just share with you guys, the flesh is weak. Our flesh. What do I mean by flesh? 
the flesh, the body, the tent. We're weak. We are weak. Check out what Jesus said to Peter, James, and John in the garden. You know the scene. Jesus is getting ready to get arrested and taken to trial, okay? Jesus said this to them before he was arrested. He says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, why did Jesus say that to these guys? What did he ask them to do? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. But what did they do? They were working on their eight-hour prayer where they're praying, sleeping, right? Or falling asleep. I mean, Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. He wanted these guys to be alert. He wanted them to pray. He wanted them to be prayed up because what they were going to face in the time to come was going to be an extreme trial for them. Their master, their rabbi was going to go on trial. And this is a great, intense situation for the disciples. And so here he is preparing them, especially, you know, Peter, James, and John, who would be like, in a sense, the leaders, if you would put leaders in there. You know, they were kind of the go-to guys. He wanted them to be prayed up because they were going to head into the most difficult trial that they had ever faced. Jesus could handle going to the cross. But he wanted these guys, his guys, to be prayed up so that they could stand against the strong enemy attack that was coming their way. The flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. We need to be watchful. We need to be praying. We need to be alert because we, a beginning of a battle at any moment, we don't know. We don't know the trials that are going to hit us unless you can look into the future. But we don't know the trials that are happening. Did you guys know that there is a spiritual battle that's taking place every single day, every moment of the day? Even right now as we're worshiping and praising the name of Jesus, there is a battle going on in the heavens. We need to be watchful. We need to be praying. David Guzik said this. This is amazing. He says, the spiritual battle is often won or lost before the crisis comes. What is that telling us, church? that we need to be on our knees. We need to be praying and seeking God and just praying against the enemy because that's who we battle with. We're not battling against flesh and blood. We're battling against the principalities of darkness. Samson was weak. He was weak spiritually. And he was about to enter in a a trial, as we are going to read next week, that was unbelievable. How was Samson weak? Well, he leaned upon his fleshly desires and not upon the Lord. He was a man that wanted to go down into the vineyard when he was told not to go in the vineyard. He wanted to be with different women. He wanted to take out of a dead carcass when he was told not to do that. He was living upon what he desired to do. Now, you might be saying to yourself, hold on just a second. It tells us that he escaped unharmed here. It tells us that he, was, uh, he escaped unharmed. He lifted the gate on his shoulders. I would say that he's not weak. He's strong. You might be thinking that. Because you read that and it's like, yeah, I think he was pretty strong. Yes, again, yes, he was strong physically. But speaking spiritually, he was weak. He was weak. But God was gracious with Samson. Yet again. God was gracious with Samson. Church, what is grace? What is grace? Unmerited favor. Grace is unmerited favor. Now, 
God has shown favor to who? Samson, right? He has shown his favor upon Samson. Now, God has shown you and I favor, hasn't he? Has God shown favor to you in your lives? Yeah? Okay. He has shown favor unto my life as well. But given grace, time in and time out, time in and time out, consistently, God giving us grace, 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 what is it easy to do? To take advantage of God's grace. To take advantage of God's grace. Because you know that it's all good. Hey, God forgives us. Man, it's good. And we mess up God's grace, man. By the grace of God, brother (laughs) or sister. And looking at Samson, God gave Samson favor even after marrying a Philistine woman, walking in a vineyard, eating honey out of a dead carcass, and then now partaking in sexual immorality. But yet God was gracious with him. But it seems to me that Samson took advantage of God's grace. It seems to me that Samson took advantage of God's grace. Well, why do you say that? Well, he might have known what he was doing was wrong, because I do believe that with his parents' understanding before that they had the child, before he was even conceived, remember the angel of the Lord came to his mother? So I'm pretty sure that I would say that the parents were going to raise him up in the way that God told them to raise them. And so he would have known what he was doing was wrong. But I truly believe that he became blind to God's grace. Excuse me, uh, how do you know that? (laughs) Look at his actions. He was driven by his own desires. If Samson truly understood the grace of God, I don't believe that he would have continued in his sinful desires. Because there would have been a heart change. Like, Okay, I know that we all mess up. I get that. But to continuing to mess up, then it's like, are you taking advantage of God's grace? Instead of changing your heart and following his ways, are you just saying, you know what? I understand it, but I don't need to change it because God is gracious. No, you need to change. It's called repenting, turning away. Samson was operating on cheap grace. Cheap grace. What is cheap grace? Well, according to Pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he's a pastor from Germany in the 30s, he said this, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. We can preach forgiveness all day long, but if we're not preaching repentance, then we're just promoting cheap grace. Because you need to change And changing only comes by the Lord helping you, take you away from that sin. It's okay. God has forgiven me of my sin. It's okay. (laughs) I'm just going to continue on living my life. I messed up, but I'm going to continue in this sin. Is that how it works? That's how it works for many. But is that how it should work? No. No. I can still follow the sinful desires of my flesh. I am forgiven. Now, this is hardcore, you guys. This needs to be talked about, though, because, yes, you are forgiven, but that forgiveness means that you're wanting to change. Do you want to change? Now, the Apostle Paul addressed this in the book of Romans, and he said in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, what was the rest of that? I'll tell you. Verse 2, certainly not. 
How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized into his death? Then carrying on in verse 4, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a newness of life. Truth. We cannot have this mentality of saying, uh, yes, I am forgiven, and not deal with the sin. Guys, you can say you're forgiven all day long, but if true repentance hasn't taken place, then you're just operating in cheap grace. Yes, if you have sin, which we all do, you have an advocate. 1 John 2, 1. This verse is awesome. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, just because you have an advocate, does that mean that you should still sin? No. No, it doesn't mean that. There needs to be repentance, the turning away from iniquity. Now, if you continue in your sin, as we are seeing with Samson, this guy is just killing me. He's continuing to do the things that his flesh desires. He fell guilty to the lust of the eyes once again. He fell into the sin of lust of the flesh. And it was like, why isn't he getting it? But again, as you probably have heard many times, and I've said it sometimes, and I say it to myself, well, if somebody was reading my story, would they say, this guy's killing me. He doesn't get it. Yeah, we don't get it. But we should try to get it. We should try to get it. Because think of being weak, right? What do you think of? Weak. Shout something out. Wimp. Okay? You're weak. You can't do anything. You're just like a Gumby guy, you know? And you can't... You're not strong. Okay? You're sickly. Okay? See? And no, Ken didn't look at my notes. Man, when you're sick, you're weak, right? When you're sick, you're weak? Yeah? Okay. Sin is a sickness, and it brings weakness. And if it's not handled, guess what's going to happen? If you don't go to the doctor and you're really sick, what's going to happen to you? You're going to die, more than likely. Well, guess what if sin isn't dealt with? You're going to die in the sin. Okay? God has saved you and I, and he's offered salvation through his grace. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace you have been saved. Now notice that, for by grace, unmerited favor, you have been saved. Through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There is nothing that you and I could do to earn God's favor, but guess what you can do? You can stomp on the grace of God by foot. You can stomp on it. You can say, yes, I've been saved through grace, but I'm going to stomp on that because I'm going to continue in my sinful ways and I'm going to follow the flesh and its desires. Pastor Eric will continue teaching through the book of Judges the next time you join us. As you've been listening today, perhaps some questions have come to mind. If so, we'd like to help. Just email your questions, comments, or prayer requests to info at gracetothehearers.com. 
That's info at gracetothehearers.com. We'll be sure to prayerfully respond because it's our desire to help you on your journey as you're seeking to walk with Jesus. You can also post your comments or questions to our Facebook page. Just search on Facebook for Grace to the Hearers Radio and join the conversation. If you can't find a church near you that's teaching through the Bible verse by verse, please let us know. We may be able to help you connect with a Bible study in your area and we'll certainly add you and your community to our prayer list as it's our desire to see God's Word being simply and systematically taught in every community. Again, you can contact us by email at info at gracetothehearers.com or give us a call at 520-723-7047. That's 520-720-7047. And please don't worry if you haven't been able to write this information down. All this information and more is available at our website, gracetothehearers.com. That's gracetothehearers.com. Log on to get to know us better. Join us next time as Pastor Eric continues to proclaim grace to the hearers from the book of Judges. That's next time on Grace to the Hearers.